Welcome, everybody, to the big dudes in the trenches. I am Doug, and over here for the first time in like, I don't know, a week, maybe, a week. I guess, technically. It's only been a week. Calm down. It feels Lord. like forever, man. It's so long without you. I didn't know what to do with myself. I tried a whole solo show Monday, and almost nobody showed up live on Twitch, which we need you to do. If you're listening to this via audio, come check us out on Twitch because it's better. It's a better experience. Just it is. Be honest. We're, we don't, we aren't the best at like, you know, video production and quality. Like we're still getting there. So if you would like to, you know, offer your services to us as well, we'd love, we'd love to bring you on. Um, <laughs> right. But for right now, like this is what we got. It's pretty cool to see, though, and we're really bad about reminding people to say, hey, by the way, if you're an audio listener, this kind of sucks for you right now. There are definitely some things to look at other than just our pretty faces, uh, which that statement's debatable, but the slides are not debatable. They're really cool. So <laughs> that's where we are right now. We're live on Twitch as of Thursday night, which means Thursday night football is happening literally right now. We do not watch such shenanigans. We don't believe in that sort of thing. Uh, Thursday night football is an abomination. So even though the somebody, yeah. it's a, like a decent game today, I believe. Bills Patriots. I mean, the Patriots are wearing the throwbacks too. It's kind of cool, but also it's Thursday night, which means fuck that. Let's talk about other things. <laughs> and uh, I guess let's go ahead and get started. Um, and I will say before we even bring up the slides, there are some, there is injury news. Injury news sucks. I mean, Von Miller's on the IR now. That, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that. Honestly, there's, there's way more things we can get into later, uh, not related to injuries. So, yes, some players are getting healthy again. Some players are getting hurt. Uh, some players are out that thought they were going to play. All sorts of normal, regular season NFL stuff. But how much you, we got? We got some other like NFL tangent stuff going on. Mm -hmm. uh, if you know what I'm talking about with Antonio Brown, yeah, uh, I feel like that falls into it. I don't. I'm really just starting to think that he's just an asshole. <laughs> like as, as much as that sucks to say, because everybody's been saying, "Oh, well, this this has to be uh, because of that that Vontez Bursa pick, you know, the famous one." Everybody's like, "Oh, maybe he's got some CTE stuff going on." If you know what's going on with Antonio Brown right now, as we're recording, and I don't know if there's been any updates, uh, but if you know what's going on, awesome. If you don't, when you're listening to this on the audio version, go look up what happened on Thursday. I'm really starting to believe we can't blame this on anything that may or may not have occurred because of his NFL career. And it's it's sad to see, though, honestly. And I don't want to comment on that, so let's move on. Fair enough. <laughs> the only really the only real news story I guess I have then for the NFL. <laughs> Russell Wilson had a birthday party and nobody showed up. That's just embarrassingly sad. Like, embarrassingly sad. So, uh, it's real life draft day here. Uh, Russ Callahan, I guess. His, uh, his teammates didn't show up to his birthday party. That's uh, 
wow. I don't even know what to say. So at this point, it's to me, it does raise the question of everybody seems to be piling on to Nathaniel Hackett outside of the locker room. Inside the locker room, it feels like everybody's piling more onto Russ than onto Hackett. I'm wondering who the team would prefer to keep if they could only keep one. And uh, right now, it feels like they would vote for their head coach. Yeah. Uh, how crazy is that? I mean, we've we've talked about this a couple of times already this season, that when Russell Wilson signed with the Broncos, we thought, man, this is going to take him to the moon. Right. And that has not been the case at all. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't feel like he should have dropped off this much either. And I feel like that's probably the, the bigger, more important takeaway here is that Russell Wilson's not a, a bad football player. Like what? I, I just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like make it make sense, I guess is where I'm at. I know there's a stat going around if the Broncos had scored at least 18 points in every game this season. They'd be like, I don't know, 9-2 right now or something like that. Uh, it's <laughs> They just can't get in the end zone at all. And sometimes it does look like play-calling issues. Sometimes it does look like inexperience from Hackett. Other times it really is Russell Wilson just not making the throws he needs to be able to make. And I don't understand it entirely, but... Uh, Maybe I wonder. Maybe Pete Carroll's. I wonder if he's got an injury. Well, maybe. yeah, I mean that could be it too. I don't know. There's been there's been a lot of quarterbacks that you have had lingering injuries that they didn't say anything about this season in yeah. particular. Uh, and we're Aaron seeing Rogers. kind of Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> uh, Matt Stafford's elbow injury yeah. was not very highly discussed until the season started. I mean, there's there's a lot. So, and I'll say are, Justin Fields, but he's talking about it. So, yeah, well, and exactly pe- fall in the same category. People are suspecting that Josh Allen might have an injury as well, too. I mean, I've mm. seen, I've seen that kind of, uh, you know, that rumor kick up a little bit. So, I mean, it's it's everybody. And Nobody's if you've seen the State this. Farm commercials, we know Patrick Mahomes is injured from not getting his jazz bath. Oh that. Is a thing. All right. So, <laughs> other than that, really, it's just injury stuff. Uh, and it's fun to shit on the Broncos right now. So, let's jump into the game. Everybody else is doing it. <laughs> if your friends were going to shit on the Broncos, would you? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, we like to pick winners of games around here, uh, or at least we try to pick the winners. Uh, all of us are above 500 at this point in the season, which feels good. It took me some work to get there. I'm banking on that not being the case very soon, but we shall see. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and jump forward to, I just say jump forward because it's the next slide, but really we're jumping back in time because we haven't talked about Monday night's results yet. Of course, you picked the Steelers. They did win by a touchdown. Uh, I have been saying, you know, watch out for Jeff Sunday now. This was a Monday night, so I think my point still stands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just can't I win think, on Mondays. It's all right. I think what I've realized is I'm doing really good at picking primetime games, but just regular yeah. games. Which, in fairness, I pick the Bears because I'm not going to pick against them on this show. I refuse. Yeah, um, but then you don't have to take the Bears game every week. <laughs> 
I I didn't, and I like I'm not taking him this week. I literally took him because I thought maybe Justin Fields would play, and if he didn't, I was very curious to see how it would shape out. And two of the Bears' best players got hurt, so it worked out horribly. And quit, it was quit adding logic and facts to my ribbing of you. This is no. all <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> so. Since you have a good streak going on primetime, I guess I ought to watch out because you are picking the exact opposite of me on Sunday and Monday night. Uh, we start off with Sunday night Colts at Cowboys. Hey, it's Jeff Sunday now, man. I'm taking the Colts. I, here's here's the real thing. I am legitimately going to take the Colts every primetime game that they're in the rest of the year simply because I hate the fact the Colts are in primetime. And it irritates me. This is a really bad team. They don't deserve to be in prime time. And so yes. let's intentionally make fun of them at every opportunity. And I'm going to pick them because I, it's I, funny I, for me to pick them every time because I have the lowest record in the NFL in, in the pick this year. <laughs> That's if, my entire logic. If the Cowboys sucked, this game would get flexed out of prime time. No doubt. Yeah. The problem yeah. is I don't even – I remember trying to find a game of the week for myself, and I don't – we pick games, I mean, but it's not a strong week in the NFL this week. So I don't even know – There is an obvious one good. that none of us took, but even still. I mean, like 49ers, Dolphins is going to be good. Spoiler, we didn't take that one. Surprisingly didn't take that one. But at the same no. time, like, what's what's the real implications of it? Both those teams are still going to the playoffs, win or lose this game. True. True. Uh, same well, that's not the game. for Colts-Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, the Colts are not going to go to the playoffs in all likelihood. Uh, unless they win this game. That would that would really start kicking some things off. Uh, I don't if, see that happening against the Cowboys, though. Tug agrees with me. He's taking the Cowboys as well. They're I really playing either, but I'm taking the Colts too, because fuck <laughs> They're playing too well. They're at home. Yeah. It's it's going to be a Cowboys win here. Uh, I am curious to see how the running back situation is going to look. Uh, somehow, yeah. Uh, Tony Pollard, you know, doesn't follow up a great performance four days later on Thursday on Thanksgiving. Go figure. Who would you know? Who would have thunk? But with the mini buy here and Zeke coming off a great game as well, look out for that Cowboys running attack and out of the backfield really all night. Uh, Monday night, it's Saints Buccaneers. You and Tug are taking the Bucks. I'm taking the Saints. I, you know, I'm gonna stick with it. I do feel a little bit out on a limb here. What is? What's your thought process here taking the Bucks? I think both teams are dog shit right now. I'm taking the best player, and he's at home. So, I guess yep. that's my only justification here. The Buccaneers have not looked like a complete team. Honestly, if they were in any worthwhile division, they would not be making the playoffs this year. But they probably will because the Saints are equally, if not worse, dog shit. And then you have to pick with playoff Tom Brady. So I don't suspect I'll be picking against the Bucs as the season continues to go on. But I am here, and that's because while Tom Brady is the better player than whoever the Bucs are going to have starting at quarterback, because it's a carousel there right now too, I don't have any faith in the Bucks' skill position because they haven't done right. anything to make me have faith in them so far this year anyway. So why would that change now? You know what would be absolutely hilarious? 
you know, Tom Brady lost two Super Bowls to wildcard Giants teams. Mm-hmm. It would be so just mega mind, galaxy brain moment for the NFL if they got the Buccaneers into the playoffs at like nine, six, and one, and then they go on this Super Bowl run and take out the definitively better AFC team. <laughs> I thought you were going to say have them put host the top wildcard team, the Giants at home, and the Giants just fucking steamroll them. I mean, that would be fun too, not going to lie. That would probably be more fun for me, but you can't just not have Tom Brady win the Super Bowl. What is this, not the NFL? <laughs> All right, moving <laughs> along. We're going to take the tinfoil off here, I promise. We got Chargers Raiders as my game of the week. Tug is taking the Chargers. I am taking the Raiders. For our audio listeners, Doug, who are you going with? I am also taking the Chargers, uh, siding with Tug once again. Uh, wild move. I don't normally do this. <laughs> but, <clears throat> all right, so I don't like picking road teams. That's kind of a thing of mine, usually, especially when they're relatively tightly contested. Like I do suspect this game will be. It sounds like a decent matchup on paper. But there's something really wrong with Derek Carr this season, it feels like. And it's not just down to Devontae Adams. Yes, he's getting the lion's share of the targets. He should. He's 100% more talented than every other player on the team. But it's also like sometimes Derek Carr is forcing the ball to him. Sometimes he refuses to throw the ball to him because it feels like he's forcing the ball to him. There's some weird dynamics that haven't worked out yet. And I don't understand the dynamic there well enough to put any faith in this team. Not that the chargers are figured out themselves. It's just, I really don't trust the Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I get that a hundred percent. If this was a couple weeks ago with Josh Jacobs, you know, still being a little banged up, I'd be right there with you too. But the fact of the matter is man came to play this past week and he's frankly the only reason they won. He put the team on his back and then ran 85 yards for a game-winning touchdown. So, And the Chargers ride. don't have any defensive tackles right now. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to ride with Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, not, not Derek Carr and the Raiders. So we'll yeah. see if this pays off. Uh, I know the atmosphere in Vegas is going to be electric, and not just because the Chargers are in town. Uh, but, you know, we were all kind of hoping that the AFC West would be a worthwhile division to watch. And this game is going to be worthwhile watching, uh, just not for all the reasons we thought preseason. Right, for sure. For sure. Uh, my game of the week, I'm putting the tinfoil hat back on, by the way, for this one. <laughs> uh, so we're looking at Browns at Texans. Obviously, we've been talking about it off and on all year. Most people have. This will be Deshaun Watson's first game as a Cleveland Brown. In Houston, there will be a suite uh, purchased by the lawyer of Deshaun Watson's accusers, and 10, at least, of his accusers will be in attendance uh, for this game. Oh, my God. Look, okay, hold on. Seriously, stop. Stop for one second. 
if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about any validity of this fucking lawsuit, I don't know what's like. I can't sit here and just be like, oh, yeah, they totally, you know, had bad things happen to them when this is the behavior we're going to see. Like, this is high school level drama behavior right now. And, yeah, like, this, this is ridiculous. I almost hate that we're taking this game now. <laughs> well, I'm partially taking it because of that. And also because it is Deshaun Watson's first game back in like two years, uh, if not even a little bit more than that at this point. So, what are the odds that Deshaun Watson actually plays well? And what are the odds that the NFL wants him to play well? Uh, there is a real dynamic here where if you believe the NFL is at least partially rigged, like I do. <laughs> Uh, there is real incentive to have Deshaun Watson lose this game in front of his accusers and then come back and next season start to win some real games for the Cleveland Browns. I am taking the Texans on some tinfoil hat bullshit, and I understand it would be an upset, which is why, of course, Tug is taking the Browns, and how about you? Yeah, I'm taking the Browns as well, but... The reason is the Texans are horrendous. I agree. The Browns are not great. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett has done enough to keep them mildly in the conversation. They're not completely out of the play playoff picture yet. They're on the graphic, so to speak. Uh, but more importantly... Right, they have not yet been mathematically eliminated. <laughs> yes. More importantly, <laughs> I think there's a large faction that would want Deshaun Watson to play well and win. Because, mm. And that large faction has a sponsorship with Nike and is closely linked to Colin Kaepernick. So mm. if Deshaun Watson wins this one, get ready for more Colin Kaepernick talk because, trust me, it'll be coming. You had a guy sit out for a year and a half. Somehow that's going to relate to Colin Kaepernick sitting out for five. But it's true. I also just think the Browns are a much better team. Like as much as as much as I want to, you know, go along and put some more tinfoil stuff in here out into the universe, I do think the Browns are a better team, and that is where we're going to be uh, looking with this one. Browns dominating the Texans, frankly. It's going to be Kyle Allen starting too, I believe. So, not even Davis Mills. I know it's a it's a long shot. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> But then we have Tug's game here. He's taking the Jaguars at the Lions. Did he just pick the Jags because they had an amazing win last week? And then he picked the Lions because they should be like, they should have like eight wins this year. Like, I don't. Well, he said he thinks the Lions are a lot better than their record and they probably should have won three out of I, the last four anyway. I think that's valid. I've said that all year. And I generally agree. I also believe that the Lions have a fantastic history of finding ways to lose games. And it's not only this season. It's been multiple seasons. I understand you know, Dan Campbell's really building something there, and it feels different this year because they're losing by three instead of by 27. But they're still losing. <laughs> and also, the Jaguars really impressed me last week. Yeah, That was probably the most impressive win to me of the entire week at least uh, yeah and oh, it came down to ballsy too i mean right you you put the ravens in a position 
where they're going to be able to say, hey, Justin Tucker, go win us the game. Right. Whew. Which, I mean, you go for the tie anyway, then you got to do it in overtime, right? But going for two, getting it there, and then hey, there's still plenty of time for them getting the field goal range because mm-hmm. if the ball's on the field, it's in Justin Tucker <laughs> field goal range. So Right. But uh, he was short from 67. By, like, two yards. I know. <laughs> it was it was still pretty close, honestly. It was, <laughs> I think it was closer than two yards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, maybe two feet. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the Jaguars did win, and it was really impressive. And I, do, I think the Jaguars are another team who's better than their record so far this year. They have really started to gel. And not every piece is amazing, but every piece works together. And that's been obvious so far. It it really is working for both these teams. I'm going to take the Jaguars simply because I was impressed last week. But it's 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 a toss up to me. Tug and I are taking the Lions, and kind of like we touched on already, both these teams are better than the records. But I think the Lions are much better than the records. Their record, sorry, and I think they have better talent on both sides of the ball than the Jaguars do. <laughs> Uh, so I've got to roll with the lines here. And it is at Ford Field, which normally would make me want to pick the Lions. But also, when's the last time they won a game at Ford Field? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My cousin's kid won a game at Ford Field recently. State championship. Shout out. Nice. Your kid lives in the wrong state. Not my kid. My cousin's kid. Your cousin lives in the wrong state. <laughs> I mean, don't look at me. I'm looking at you because we're on a podcast together. That's the way this works. <laughs> let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit from games to players. We're going to go into our fantasy forecast where we're batting a perfect 500 on the year as far as picking players again. Perfect. Uh, we cannot get out of this, this funk here. So I know we've been 500 for like three weeks I know. on this. So, it's kind of incredible. You can ride with us. You can fade with us. It probably won't be a bad pick either direction. Uh, right. And but... it, doesn't, it doesn't really track. We always get the starts right. We always get the sits wrong. No, it's all over the place. Every week, we're always half right. Well, some order of well. things. Yep. So, Tug <laughs> took the wide receivers this week, and he's sitting Curtis Samuel. Washington's been on the rise, but this is a tough matchup, especially in the secondary. He's going to sit Curtis Samuel. Maybe he's right. He also might be inflating his own team a little bit here. I think he doesn't account for the fact that Curtis Samuel has some game-breaking abilities the same way that Tyreek Hill does. Maybe not to the degree, uh, but when you're looking at the Washington offense, Samuel is definitely a two. Take that as you will. It very well could work out in his favor with Scary Terry getting more of the attention from the secondary. I don't want to persuade you one way or another. This is just Tug's advice and kind of my inputs on it as well. That moves us to the start, which if you're watching live on Twitch, you already know who it is. But if you're an audio listener, dragging it out a little bit longer, it's George George Pickens for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, His relationship... With Kenny Pickett, as far as, you know, on the field, that that dynamic, it's come a long way, and it's a really, really favorable matchup against Atlanta. I absolutely agree with this start. You should start George Pickens anyway, uh, but this week especially, this one seems like kind of a low-hanging fruit pick here. Moving right along, I took the running backs, and I feel very confident. 
why is that? My sit is Jonathan Taylor, which is he's the only shot the Colts have of having a good game against the Cowboys. The problem is the Cowboys defense is really fucking good. And Jonathan Taylor, he's improved this season. He's he's getting to a point where maybe you're thinking he should he's earned his spot to be back in your lineup. Not this week. This is not the week you want to go full in and play him. I'm sitting him, and if he breaks out in this game, then yes, absolutely. Play him the rest of the way. You can have faith that he's going to serve you well the rest of the season. But this game, it's too high risk this late in this fantasy football season. That said, this pains me a lot to say, but I'm starting Aaron Jones. Why? I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is playing. Number one. That's that's reason number one. Number two, Bears suck. And their run defense has sucked all year. Their pass defense has sucked all year. There's not a lot of good things about the Bears right now. If Aaron Jones can run away from Jack Sanborn, he's going to eat all day. He's going to have some big runs. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns because as soon as they get within the 20, they're especially not going to let Jordan Love throw it in the red zone. They're going to hand the ball off to the best runner in the red zone. That's Aaron Jones. Yeah, this one was a no-brainer to me. And it makes me very sick. I'm going to wash out my mouth right now. And let's be real. I think you could probably outrun Jack Sanborn. So. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> I'm pretty fat. No, that's why I didn't say I could. I'm just I'm betting on you. <laughs> a lot of misplaced trust there. <laughs> well, let's get out of the NFL. Those, that tinfoil nonsense I got going on. Cooking in the in the big league. The old uh, nugget. College football is where my heart, my heart belongs, and we have a lot more to talk about in college football anyway. So let's get firing. Uh, first up, yes, college football playoff rankings are out. They come out every Tuesday, which means we don't get to talk about them in the early week. We have to talk about them on Thursday when we do this show live on Twitch, if we haven't said that already. <laughs> uh, yeah. Makes sense to me. I don't see any real issues with this. Compared to the BDT model, of course, we do have Ohio State above USC. As basically every computer analytic program I've seen has. And uh, I've seen also some discussion that um, really the, the playoff committee ranked USC above Ohio State simply because they're expecting USC to win the Pac-12. Now, that's a real change in the way they've done things over the past couple of years. Based off of resume and everything right now, Ohio State probably would still be above USC, and then USC would jump them next week with a if they do win. Um, I, I kind of agree with that sentiment. At the same time, we lost the game by a lot, and... I'm perfectly okay with not being in the top four, to be honest with you. I know we're going to talk uh, talk the all the conference championship games later. There is – we might have the first two Big Ten team college football playoff this year. There's is several possible. paths to this. I think USC probably is a lot to win, uh, to win the Pac-12. But – I'm riding with TCU. I'm spoiling my pick here. I could absolutely see Kansas State winning and a Pac-12 being left out in the cold yet again. I could also see Utah winning, honestly. Both are very possible. Uh, The other 
things to note here with the college football playoff ranking, Kansas State breaks into the top 10 with no top 25 wins and three losses. Uh, kind of setting up that Kansas State will be in a New Year's Six Bowl, which is interesting to me. Not sure why the committee wanted to make sure that happened. And, of course, we have Tulane in our top 10 because the group of five gets no love from the committee. I think what's disgusting about our rankings and then, like, our rankings are all done with a, with a formula, right? Mm-hmm. So I can only be so upset with it, but Alabama being above Tennessee in our rankings, like, I know. computer computer did that. There's There's only so much we can do, right? Right. There is no reason, no reason at all, that Alabama should be ahead of Tennessee. So I just want to say, person by person vote. I completely agree with you. I also think the order of Penn State in in those three there is very important to consider, because the computer model has you know, our BDT trench ratings has Penn State above both of those teams. I don't know if that's realistic necessarily as far as voting would be concerned, but at the same time. If I were actually going to vote this, if I were like submitting a top 25 to the AP or whatever, I would probably have the top five the same way the committee does. I would probably go Tennessee, Penn State, Alabama. I'd agree with that. I I would probably go Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, because Penn State's two losses are to Ohio State and Michigan, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. I mean, so you you got two quality losses to teams that are, you know, that have only lost. You know, Ohio State's only lost to Michigan. I, See, I, I I'm just, almost agree with that, but then you have to consider Penn State doesn't have any top twenty-five wins either. Yeah, they only have two top five losses going for them on this resume. Yeah, I would I would probably if I were voting, I think I would do Tennessee, Penn State, Alabama. I'll tell you this much. I don't work on Saturday, but I work on Sunday, and you bet your ass I'm going to be glued to my television before I go into work to see the selection show, because this is going to be very interesting when all the chips fall after uh, after all the conference championships this week. Especially if, like, LSU pulls off upset or something. Oh, my God. Or uh, the spoiler makers make it happen. Right. <laughs> right. All sorts of things Absolute possible. chaos. Uh, before we get into more college football news, I do want to say there have been a couple of big, big time arrests going around the country right now uh, in college football. I know we talked a little bit about the Antonio Brown situation up top with the NFL stuff. College football, there are some worse things happening. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about it. I will say, you know, I do believe innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. At the same time. Absolutely. If Jalen Kidna is proven guilty of what he is accused of, I personally am very glad Florida still has the death penalty. <laughs> I, from what I've, all I'm going to say about this is from what I've read about this, there are two very distinct possibilities. And one is horrendous and disgusting. And the other one is problematic in a very different set of ways. Yeah. Yep. I will I will change the slide so we can change the topic, and I will be right back. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, while he's gone for a second, I do want to talk about 
if you're not watching, this alone is reason enough to watch us live on Twitch. Because we have a picture here of the hotel rooms for the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> which are all decked out in Cheez-It gear. It's entirely a Cheez-It room. It's kind of incredible. Um, everything about this is... Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say about it. It's full-on Cheez-It stuff. The bed is... It's Cheez-It blankets, Cheez-It pillows. The room is painted red and yellow. Um, you gotta, you wake up feeling the cheesiest right there, I guess. That's, that's all you can say about that. Uh, Dude, I, 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 wish, I wish my room looked like this. What are we, what are we laughing at? This is amazing. Uh, I also have heard that some fans will be able to experience replicas of the cheese at hotel rooms uh, created on the field the night before the game. I don't understand how that's exactly going to work. Why would they not just make more cheese it rooms? Are we opening a cheese it world? Like you notice the theme park in the background, right? That would be incredible. <laughs> I need to go to cheese it land is what I'm hearing. My kids would love cheese it land. Come on. I would love Cheez-It-Land. Who wouldn't love Cheez-It-Land? Take me to Cheez-It-Land. <laughs> oh, man. I, there's nothing else to say about this. It's just a Cheez-It hotel room. It's completely decked out in Cheez-It stuff. But it's so hilarious. It's fantastic, really. Let's keep moving, though. What else yeah. we got? So... We've been talking about it already. Uh, Purdue and the team up north will be facing off in the Big Ten Championship game this coming weekend. Unfortunately, Purdue's quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, has found out uh, like two days ago that his brother passed away. Uh, we do have a statement up on the screen. I don't know if we necessarily want to read this on the show, but it is it's tough. Anytime... Anytime a a big time player loses someone in their family, the entire team feels that. There's no way they can't. Um, and I hope the best for the O'Connell family and for the Purdue team. That's it's always tough. And I will throw this out here as well. You know, hats off to the Michigan fan base donating money to the Boilermaker Alliance, Purdue's NIL collective. I don't know if this money will end up going to Ed O'Connell in particular, or per perhaps they're expecting the Boilermaker Alliance to donate this uh, to help towards funeral costs or whatever. Uh, but a lot of Michigan fans have been donating $16 increments in honor of Ed O'Connell's number 16 uh, and in memory of his brother uh, to this Boilermaker Alliance. So it's awesome to see that even on the verge of not only a Big Ten title, uh, but potentially a second college football playoff berth for Michigan uh, that their fans are going out of their way uh, to show some love to Aiden O'Connell, his family, and the two Boilermakers in general. Absolutely. <clears throat> that's, that's tough. So a uh, little bit more in honor of those who we have lost, uh, the Brian Piccolo Award. Uh Brian Piccolo, if anybody doesn't know for some reason, 
former Wake Forest player, by the way. <laughs> and there's an award named after him in the ACC going to a Wake Forest player this year, Sam Hartman. I know this one's close to you. I'll let you take this one. Yeah, so, I mean, real short and simple piece on Brian Piccolo. He died of cancer uh, while he was a member of the Chicago Bears. Uh, his relationship with Gail Sayers as the first interracial roommates uh, in the NFL uh, became the subject of Brian's song, which was a what? I'm sorry. That was the way my mind works. I related it to that vine. That guy goes, and they were roommates. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it's, it's actually pretty good to bring it up a little bit because uh, Gail Sayers actually – is a movie star if you didn't know he played himself yeah. in the original brian song uh it has since been remade whatever that's not the point brian piccolo did tragically die of cancer and the acc has honored him immortalized him with this award for the most courageous effort in a football season uh and that goes to sam hartman because if you remember you know he was highly touted kind of getting overshadowed a little bit by player by quarterbacks out of unc seemingly every year uh, this looked like it was going to be his year, and then he has blood clots and had to miss two or three games to start the season. Yeah. Wouldn't you know it, though? He ends up coming back and setting the record for most touchdowns thrown at Wake Forest. Uh, just an amazing career there. I don't know if he's going to the draft or if he's going to transfer. We'll have to wait and see, but I would love to see him excel at the next level. I've been a fan of his for several years, so awesome to see him get some recognition here. It's possible that he stays, too. It is uh, possible he that he stays. It's possible. I'd say that's probably more likely than transferring, honestly. But we shall see. And certainly wish Sam Hartman all the best. Uh, you were getting me on the hype train a little bit there. And then he hasn't he had played a that really well this bad season. Game. Yeah. Yeah, with you, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's still fun to watch, and he makes Wake Forest bearable. So that's, that's saying something. <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh, but obviously some huge news in the college football world has just transpired as we finally know when the 12-team playoff is beginning. So we have this season and next season. We'll have a four-team playoff still. Then the season after that, 2024 to 2025, we will have a 12-team playoff at least through 2026, I believe. And then the whole media contract before it needs to get reworked and everything. So there's not a whole lot set in stone still, I Well, guess, technically. The reason that we're able to go forward with this 12-team playoff is because the Rose Bowl finally said, okay, yeah, let's do it. Right. This was – it had already been voted on. Everybody else had agreed, but the Rose Bowl was really holding out. Now it's going to be a 12-team playoff because they gave the, the good to go there. So I'm excited to see what happens. Honestly, I would love to see some of these semifinals – go to different NFL cities. I don't know if that'll happen, but it'd be cool to see. So what we do know right now is that the first round will be played at home stadiums of the higher seed, which is cool. The second round will be at neutral sites. I believe it's still going to be a rotation of the major bowls right now. And then the championship game will be separate. So we do know a couple of locations I believe one of them will be in Atlanta, and there's another one, I believe, set for Las Vegas, if I remember correctly. I feel like I Indianapolis may... has to get involved in this, too. 
it's always a rotation of the same couple of cities. It's L.A., Las Vegas, Indianapolis, Atlanta, Arlington. I mean, it's. I mean, Arlington Heights could be could work their way in there too if the Bears get their heads out of their ass. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so it, actually, one caveat to that: if the host institution doesn't want to play a home game for some reason, they can opt to move it to a neutral site as well which was a bylaw there. Um, I would say the only instance of that happening would be if there's inclement weather or something that's really driving you away from your home stadium. Like there was a fan gave, gave an example of, you know, if Minnesota happens to sneak their way in there one year and it's like negative 30 in the end of January, we're not playing a home game. Outside. I would absolutely <laughs> love to play a home game. How about home field advantage? At some <laughs> point that becomes no field advantage like you can't northerners don't want to play in negative 30 either yeah but you know who really doesn't whatever poor southern school has to play yeah, in. florida yeah <laughs> coming up to minnesota <laughs> well first of all just... that would never happen because it's an sec team going to a big 10 team you could can you possibly imagine the injustice of being they would have to be they would have to be the big 10 champions and tech, <laughs> florida would have to be the sixth sec team in that's something that's certainly possible in this format. <laughs> I just know that if the SEC bias doesn't die, it's going to be a disgusting playoff for a little bit. So another thing to note with this 12-team playoff, the group of five and power five designations are really about to go away. <laughs> something to consider with that, though. Um, those designations existed technically in the college football world they never actually existed officially they were just kind of media designations in the first place and the uh the power five quote unquote are known through the ncaa as the autonomous five because they have a little bit more leeway in creating and setting their own rules for themselves that other conferences don't get the luxury of doing and it's very minor things but at the same time they get preference in negotiations of things and all sorts of there still is a delineation here but the main point of focus for the 12 team playoff and why it comes up here there is no stipulation that the power five all get their champion in and then there will be a one of the top group of five champions it is the highest ranked six conference champions get a seed here so technically it's still going to end up being the same thing unfortunately it's it's possible that it won't be we've had and i know divisions are going away but i still want to use this as the example right we've had years where there are unranked teams and highly ranked teams in conference championship games say northwestern upset ohio state Mm -hmm. uh three years ago right that's now a very low-ranked conference champion, the Big Ten's not going to get an auto bid with their conference champion. So here's here's my question, though, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I, I know where you're going with this already. Like, obviously, Northwestern's not going to get the auto bid. You probably get two, uh, two quote-unquote, you group of five teams. The American, and you probably get Conference USA champion in or something like that. Or, the, you know, the fun belt, right? Right, or the Mountain West, or let's just name them all. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, right. But does that mean that Ohio State is going to become or at large bid over Northwestern? And I'll say it again because yes. we had a little bit of a we have a little bit of a, a glitch here. Does Ohio State become your at large bid over Northwestern, even though Northwestern was a conference champion? Because the other part of this is being a conference champion's always been a big deal. But right. And to continue on with this train of thought, right, we're already looking at it. We could potentially have three. We could only have one undefeated team going into this. We could have no undefeated teams going into this college football playoff, which I think would be the first time ever. I I don't know. There's so many unknowns here. We could have we have unknowns even going into this college football playoff, right? So right, right. It's tough. It's another thing that we don't know about the 12 team playoff. There is talk of whether or not it will be reseeded. So let's say the the big example this year, if all the favorites win, the current 12 team format would look something like Ohio State playing Tulane in the first round at Ohio State and then the winner of that going to USC. Is that necessarily the case? Is Tulane going to have to get reseeded then and potentially facing Georgia in the first round, in the second round then, if they were to beat Ohio State? We don't know that yet. Um, as of right now, it looks like it would be set up more like the FCS playoffs where those matchups are known ahead of time and it's not reseeded. But there are still some things on the table here that we're unclear of. Just... uh. In two years' time, we will have a 12-team playoff. We'll have a college football video game again. USC and UCLA will be in the Big Ten. We're going to have Kennesaw Texas, State. Texas uh, OU and the SEC. Maybe in 2024, most likely the next year. Uh, Kennesaw State, Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State, all in the Conference USA. Uh, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley will be in the FCS at that point. <laughs> all right let's let's get on to coaches and i want to okay. start off with one that we don't have any confirmation on we might have talked about it earlier this week gross it's not no confirmation it's not, it's not ren baker uh but everything swirling about Deion sanders has been extremely intriguing to me yeah and i don't want to talk about that unless we know something because there's so much speculation right now that i feel like we can get into a half-hour discussion on what he's potentially going to do. The, All, the thing right now that we know for sure, he said he has a contract offer from Colorado, and yep. we also know he has a game this Saturday. So it's kind of – he, he said he would let recruits know after the game on Saturday. So yeah. he's his announcement after the game on Saturday is my assumption. And I, I'm going to maintain that I don't think he wants to leave Jackson State but it's also Deion Sanders. I think he enjoys some of the spotlight here. Even in uh, a recent interview, he said, you know, I've got very strict rules for the players, but I still got to show up to their house with the gold chain. I still got to be prime. Like I can't be coach Deion Sanders the whole time. So I think right. he, I think there's probably some of that playing into this. And, and at the same time, like he does owe it to his team. And I respect him a lot for this to finish out the season at least finish this game and give all of his attention to them. If Jackson State does win this weekend, though, they would be heading to the only bowl game in the FCS, the Celebration Bowl. Uh, so that'd be tough. 
But it happens all the time. We lose coaches before bowl games. We get new ones in before bowl games. Uh, Speaking of which, we have all sorts of hirings happening right now that we know for sure. We don't know for sure about Deion Sanders. We know for sure about some other ones. Uh, Starting us off, this is actually an athletic director hire. Ren Baker coming into West Virginia. Has no ties to West Virginia necessarily, but he he was a... assistant athletic director at Memphis and at Missouri before taking over as athletic director at the University of North Texas most recently and now getting the job at West Virginia. With this decision also came the announcement that Neil Baker, or not Neil Baker, uh, (laughs) Ren Baker, Neil Brown, will be retained as the head coach at West Virginia for the next season. There was a lot of speculation that they'd be moving on from him after a disappointing year and not making a bowl game. Ren Baker has said they are keeping Neil Brown on staff. He also is apparently one of his first actions in office was to call Pat McAfee and talk about the state of the program. So I would say you're off to a good start there. At least you understand your biggest connections and you need to keep up with your alumni. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And Pat McAfee's show is fantastic. So good on him. Next up, we got Brent Key dropping the interim tag, taking over full-time at Georgia Tech. There was a whole lot of talk about all kinds of potential moves Georgia Tech was going to make. It essentially came down to, hey, this guy appears to be working. He's getting through to our players and has us on the right track. We actually were competitive against Georgia for the first time in a while. Not only that, but we won a lot of games with Brent Key, surprisingly, that we didn't expect to win. And uh, we weren't doing that before. So let's keep this guy. Former offensive lineman for Georgia Tech, too. Love to see it. Back at his alma mater as the head coach here for the Yellow Jackets. Very cool. Uh, There was all sorts of talk. At one point, it seemed like Willie Fritz was going to be hired. At some point, it seemed like Jamie Chadwell was the move. But obviously, Deion Sanders gets all the hype. Talk of him potentially coming to Georgia Tech at one point. I don't think that was ever serious. But, uh, yeah, Brent Key, a new full-time head coach at Georgia Tech. Love seeing guys shed that interim tag and just become the guy. Uh, you know, sometimes they do things that get in their own way of that. <laughs> If you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, moving on to UAB, the Blazers have hired Trent Dilfer as their new head coach. Uh, wild to me. If I if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> hasn't he been coaching high school football? Yeah, for like two years. Yeah, yeah, he's been coaching high school football. He went viral for chewing a kid the fuck out for slamming his helmet yeah and it was so fucking divisive i'm like no no he's absolutely right and that kid will never slam his fucking helmet again i love this move i can't wait to beat him for that beautiful beautiful bronze racker uh the go back to that real quick though because i do want to say the uab players did not want this to happen Uh, it makes it even better for me um they wrote an open letter to UAB's president saying that they wanted to meet with the president at least to discuss this 
the captains never got a meeting with the president at all. This decision was made fully by the president. Not even the athletic director was involved. Just straight up said, this is our guy. This is who I want. So the players wrote this open letter to the president of UAB saying, hey, uh, we respect your time and schedule. At the same time, our secretary, your secretary said uh, you didn't have time to talk to students ever for like two weeks there. Uh, what do you, what's going on? What's, what's up with that? Also, this is a quote from the letter. I thought this was interesting. This team loves Coach Vincent, their interim head coach, Bryant Vincent. Uh, this team loves Coach Vincent and believes in him. He is our head coach. He's a great leader, and we follow him. We have had memorable moments throughout the championship seasons and bowl wins, but we have never been closer as a team or at a tighter brotherhood than we do now. That is a roaring endorsement for their interim head coach. Uh, kind of tough. I don't even believe he got an interview to be the full-time head coach. So, <laughs> Trent Watch out for the transfer portal. Yeah. Vincent gets picked up somewhere. <laughs> there they go. And uh, as we go to this next coach, shout out Crazy Frogging for subbing. Two-month sub streak here. Hey, nice. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have Tom Herman. Heads to the Florida Atlantic Owls. Okay, um, <laughs> if you know Tom Herman, you probably remember him as the head coach of Texas. Uh, he was the head coach of Houston before that, did very well, won a Peach Bowl. Uh, with Texas, won a Sugar Bowl, uh, won four bowls, actually, as the head coach of Texas, and got fired uh, because he wasn't winning enough. And if I remember correctly, he also wasn't beating OU. That is correct, but nobody was at the time, so. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Sucks to suck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Texas has been as good as they have been since uh, since they fired Tom Herman. At the same time, they seem to be on the right track. I don't know. We'll see what happens with Sark. Anyway, Tom Herman hasn't been coaching anywhere this season. Uh, the previous year, 2021, he was an offensive analyst for the Bears in the NFL, but going back to college, there was some speculation. He may be interested in the Cincinnati job. He is from Cincinnati, but ended up taking the job down to Florida instead at Florida Atlantic. I am kind of surprised he would have been going back to the big 12 and coaching a team that he was very familiar with. So going a completely different direction and staying in a conference that he dominated, that does kind of make sense. So we'll see how this plays out for him. Next up, some FCS moves here because we like the FCS around here. It's fun stuff. Uh, Charleston Southern has a new head coach. This is, a, I believe, Gabe Giardina. Not exactly certain on that. Nobody could tell me. So... Pretty sure. <laughs> um, he's coming back to Charleston Southern, actually. He spent some time there as a running back coach and then left and came back again as an offensive coordinator for Jamie Chadwell, uh, which is interesting. That was before Jamie Chadwell obviously took the head coaching job at Coastal Carolina. But, yeah, Gabe Giardina is back with Charleston Southern. That's cool to see. Hopefully Love he it. does well here. Next up is 
Wofford is how the president of Wofford pronounced it in the press conference today. I've always called it Wofford, but Wofford apparently uh, has hired a. Uh, I wonder why you would call the Wofford dogs Wofford. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They, they had an interim head coach. They have made him their permanent head coach, Sean Watson. Uh, Unfortunately, if you're watching us live, they did not release a new graphic for (laughs) their head coach. So I took the interim graphic and put an X over the interim. (laughs) Beautiful. That's, that's what we're dealing with at the FCS level. Uh, But Sean Watson's been a head coach one time before in the 1990s for his alma mater, SIU. Uh, He also has 40 total years of coaching experience around various levels of college football. He, like I said, he has been the interim head coach at Wofford for most of this season, actually. Their previous head coach resigned when he was on the 15-game losing streak and said, apparently, I'm not good enough for this, so I'm going to do right by these guys and give them a coach who knows how to handle it. And Sean Watson went three and three the rest of the way, uh, obviously pointing to some better things in Wofford's future. Yeah, and he was definitely a part of some very good teams when he played for the Salukis, uh, last playing in 1980. They won national championship three years later. So this dude knows a little bit about the defensive side of the ball, I'd say. And I'm excited to see what he does now that he's going to be a full-time head coach here. Should be interesting. Yeah, we've seen a couple of old guys get jobs, and sometimes it's worked very well, and sometimes it's just been there's a reason they didn't get those jobs before. Mm. We'll see what happens. Uh, One last thing here out of college football, though, before we jump to the games this weekend. Uh, We have the Japan-U.S. Dream Bowl 2023. This is incredible. Uh, <laughs> this has uh, oh man, this has vibes of propaganda from around the 1940s. <laughs> um, just with some of the graphical looks of it. This is Japan's own graphic for this. <laughs> um, and I think it looks incredible. So I love it, there, this, I love this will it. be the ninth Dream Bowl ever. Uh, it's normally an all-star game between a collection of D2 and D3 players from the U.S. and Japan's collegiate all-star team. This year, however, if you flip to the next slide here, the Ivy League has signed on to play in the Dream Bowl. It will be an all-star team making up uh, just a one team from with players from all eight Ivy League institutions. I don't know why that sentence was so hard for me, but that's... Uh-huh. That's what it is. Uh, all eight Ivy League institutions will have at least one player, and I believe it will be all of them will have multiple players on this team and go to Japan to face off against Japan's all-stars. Uh, but this graphic is so boring. Uh, go forward again. Go back to that Japan one because it's cool looking. <laughs> it's, it actually has football players on it. And this I know. One was very clearly made by people who don't care that much about football. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm in, I'm intrigued by this because I, I feel like it's always been a good game because the D2, D3 players are about the same level as the Japanese players. I don't know that the Ivy League is necessarily going to be that different, but right. at the same time, 
they could very well just dominate this one. Which would also be fun, not going to lie. I would kind of enjoy dominating the Japanese. <laughs> Where are we go? Where we've, done it, we've, we've done it before. Anyway, <laughs> we got plenty of games to pick this weekend. We have all of the conference championships at the FBS level. We have round two of the FCS playoffs. All kinds of exciting this stuff. This is where I on. catch up. Just saying. This is absolutely where you started to catch up, but uh, I'm maintaining my lead so far. We both went nine and six last week. So pressing. You're going to catch Tug anyway. We know I, that for sure. I absolutely will catch Tug. <laughs> Let's start off with a group of five conference champions, uh, championships for as long as we can call them that, apparently. Uh, starting off with. Conference USA, we have North Texas at UTSA, officially at UTSA in San Antonio. Uh, this will be oh actually Friday night, uh, not on Saturday. Very much looking forward to this one, but I do also expect the Roadrunners to run away with it, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Tug is also taking UTSA. I'm going to be very, very basic and simple with my analysis here. UTSA, they beat Memphis last year. That's not what I'm looking at. They definitely would have beat Memphis this year, and North Texas didn't. So pretty easy for me to go with UTSA. And both of these teams will not be in Conference USA next year. So it's very fitting that one of them is going to take the title and run away forever. Absolutely. Next up, we do have the MAC championship game, which it's a crime that this game is not played on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. It will be on Saturday. <laughs> this is Toledo is not at Ohio for this one. Toledo is against Ohio. This game will be played at Ford Field, uh, which is very cool. Love that. I don't know how they're doing a college football game and then an NFL game back to back, but Ford Field's pulling it off. That's really cool. I really thought I was taking the underdog here when I took Ohio, but it looks like you're with me. I am with you, and maybe it's I'm getting gassed up by my friends that are Ohio fans. Maybe you know that probably is a little bit of it, at least. But at the same time, this team's done very well this season. I can't say I've followed Toledo near as much, so familiarity is definitely playing into this. I don't want to speak for Tug. I think he's going Toledo just to be different, though. I think he's going Toledo because Toledo's the better team all around. Uh, I did get a chance to watch Toledo play as they got destroyed by Ohio State, of course. Um, but they really do have a couple of good pieces there. And the big thing for Ohio, Rourke is out. Their quarterback all year, record-setting quarterback is out. Uh, C.J. Harris stepped in and dominated against Bowling Green last week. It was also against Bowling Green last week. Which is so. <laughs> insane to say because five years ago, Bowling Green was fucking dominant and they've fallen right. off a goddamn cliff. It right. is. It's a shame. So I'm kind of taking a wild shot here with Ohio, but I, I kind of like it. You know, I obviously feel good like about it. it. <laughs> Next up, we have the American Athletic Championship. This is Saturday at 4 on ABC going head-to-head with the SEC Championship game. What are they thinking? Uh, UCF will be at Tulane. This is in New Orleans. Love to see it. Um, I got to be honest here. I'm picking UCF to win this game purely out of obstinance because I picked UCF to win the AAC in preseason. 
and they have a chance to do it. Also, Tulane did win in the regular season, which, or no, no, UCF won the regular season matchup. Uh oh, uh, which is scary now. Uh, it's hard to beat a team twice. It? I'm not. I'm not changing it. Give me the Golden Knights. Tulane's a better team. Um, they're not the Golden Knights. They're the Knights, but they're they're golden. So they are golden. Fuck them. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. The refs have no incentive to help them this year, so I don't see it happening. I legitimately, UCF will like when they were in a position to really help and elevate the conference by doing well. They got calls. You saw it last year with Cincinnati too. You're going to see it in this game with Tulane. I'm just being honest. The refs in the other game going on at this time are just fucking awful. These ones have an agenda. For that reason, I'm going with Tulane. Tug's going with Tulane, too. He's watched a couple AAC Conference Championship games with me. And he will completely back up what I'm saying. So, I don't know if that's exactly why he's taking them. But for what it's worth, he's taking the Green Wave with me. I like the Green Wave a lot, and I love this story. I just, I don't know. It is a little bit more than just the preseason pick. I, I really do feel something here, but it is scary that UCF won the regular season. I do also think that Tulane has improved throughout the season. That is they, true. And they've been on the come up for several years. This is just kind of going to be the capstone and the cornerstone. Look. Do I think we'll get referee help because UCF is leaving? Yes. Do I think we'll get referee help because the conference has a lot more to gain with Tulane winning this game than losing? Yes. But at the same time, that's also motivation for the players. Like That's bulletin board material, and then you add that they lost in the regular season game. They've got a lot of momentum coming into this one. Yeah, I, I I think Tulane is by far and away the obvious choice, even if you take out all of my... You know, I'll, I'll say it, tinfoil hat conspiracies against the American Athletic Conference here. I mean, understandable. Moving on, though, we do have the Sun Belt Championship game. Coastal Carolina at Troy, which is in Troy, Alabama. Uh, Coastal Carolina really has been... Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, it's... But it's at, at Troy. Yeah, it, yes. that's what I meant. You knew what I meant. Anyway, Coastal Carolina has definitely been on a down year, it feels like, compared to where they were last year. At the same time, they're still really good. Uh, Troy's almost come up out of nowhere here to dominate the Sunbelt West in a way that I really didn't expect them to, even though I said before the season started, Troy was a team to watch out for simply because of how much I like that defense. And that defense has really proven some things. Uh, the offense has come to play a lot more than I expected as well. I'm taking Troy here, and I really do think they will be the favorite in this one. And at home. Tug has also taken Troy. I didn't go this way because I was really conflicted um, going back and forth a lot, and I, I, I'm just not feeling Troy all the way. I think there is something to be said for how this team has come up. Uh, but that experience, the moment getting too big might get to him a little bit, and that might be the little bit that Coastal Carolina needs to to win this one because you're absolutely right. Troy is the better team, uh, but there's a lot of intangibles that I'm taking into account here that I think is going to benefit CCU a lot. Another sneaky fact 
that may have helped my Troy pick here. It appears Jamie Chadwell is leaving for the head coaching job at Liberty. Um, which may affect some things. We don't know that yet, and I didn't. I didn't say that officially. It's not been. A, it's not been announced anywhere. But that would that would change some things. Uh, next up, we do have the Mountain West Championship game. Fresno State at Boise State. Fresno State is. Uh, they weren't looking like they were going to make it here. But they really turned things around. Had a strong in-conference showing. Same with Boise State. Honestly, they started off the season very slow, including that loss to UNLV. Since then, they've kind of been on a tear. Both teams on a collision course after about week four. <laughs> kind of impressive the turnarounds here. Uh, Jeff Tedford's first season back at Fresno State, and Boise State there. Uh, I believe is their second-year head coach now former defensive coordinator out of Oregon. So, yeah, I'm taking the Broncos here. Uh, they're definitely far and away the favorite in this one, I think, for a good reason. Fresno State is a little bit lucky to be here. <laughs> That's I, think they're far and, I think they're far and away the better team. Tug agrees with me. And, uh, you know, it's just yeah. a shame that his uh, Air Force Falcons couldn't win every single game like they were picked to do. Uh, preseason and be involved in this matchup as well because, man, I would, I would have to FaceTime them to watch that game just to hear the agony. <laughs> oh man, sorry, Tug, that was too easy. You're not here. That's not fair. Well, let's go ahead and jump to the Power Five Conference Championships. Uh, starting us off Friday night, we do have the Pac-12, Utah versus USC. None of these games will be played at home stadiums. The Pac-12 will be played at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And I'm taking USC here. Uh, Utah did win the regular season matchup by a single point. Got to throw that out there as well. And I really think USC is the better team overall, though it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, I, I think Caleb Williams locked up the Heisman. Uh, with his performance this past week. Yeah. And so you got a guy that's probably their Heisman Trophy winner looking for revenge. I mean, we've seen the ability he had last year, and it's just elevated so much this year. I don't I don't want to say this one's a lock, but I feel very con- – in all the games that we agree on that we pick together, I think this one is probably – I would say it's at least as secure as another one of the ones we took. Uh, there's there's definitely two in that first spot. I think it's a tie for that first spot lock. Uh, Tug, of course, going with USC as well. Yeah, this one, it, it seems pretty obvious to me. But then again, you never know what's going to happen. And Utah, they've been a interesting team. They've lost games that they should have won, and they've won games and looked amazing. And they've looked unbeatable. So it, it's it's tough, but I'm going with the Trojans. Next up, the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship, one of the only name-sponsored championship games. Uh, Kansas State against TCU. This one will be played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. I'm going with TCU here. I just – it almost feels like a team of destiny at this point, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm riding with the Frogs too. But like we said up top, if Kansas State wins, this is the first domino. I mean, really, if Utah wins too, but – 
you got two dominoes here out of the first two games right off the bat that could totally shake up the college football playoff picture. Tug is taking Kansas State. I don't know if that's because he believes it or because he wants the chaos. Uh, look, I, I don't. Think there's I don't, a real argument to be made for Kansas State. It's just absolutely because you know it, I don't want to change this into a college football playoff talk. That's that's where I'm struggling. TCU has just eked out too many wins. They've had way too many one-score games. It's going to catch up to them eventually. It has to, right? But what if it doesn't? What if they ride this, right? So I I think they'll at least be able to ride it out through here. Kansas State has a lot of flaws on that team, and they might just show themselves even more in this one. So, yeah, I'm going with the hypnotodes. Let's do it. Next up, we do have the SEC championship game, LSU at – Georgia is uh, what it would have been. And it kind of is anyway. It's at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, Home game. Neutral site, technically. Quote, unquote. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all going Georgia. It's just, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the other one. Uh, this one's got to be as close to the lock as possible. I mean, see, this, this is... Yeah, on the same level as Utah USC, in my opinion. LSU, the fact that they made it here, amazing, and they made it here with three losses, even more right. amazing. Right. And what's pathetic is, <laughs> what's pathetic is, if they somehow pull this off, they will absolutely be on the outside looking into the college football playoff. But two teams that didn't sniff the playoff with two losses could potentially get it or sniff the conference championship with two losses could potentially get in. And that's disgusting to me. And I hate the SEC for it. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Ridiculous. (laughs) Next up, we have the big 10 championship game. This is one of the night games on Fox. We'll be played at Lucas oil stadium in Indianapolis as it is almost every season. I suspect that's going to change, actually. Once USC and UCLA join the conference, I bet the conference title game goes to the Rose Bowl, which would be fun. Uh, but for right now... I think it's the most appropriate thing, honestly. For right now, it's in Lucas Oil. Uh, of course, we're talking about Purdue at the team up north. Uh, you know, I say at. They're the lower rated. Uh, and the, the team up north is higher rated team here, by far. Obviously, the big favorite. Um I do want to point out one stat here, which is fascinating. Um, the combined win total across like all of college football in the last 20 years for unranked teams versus top five teams, it's like two and a lot. For Purdue... They have like 10 such wins in that time span. <laughs> the spoiler makers are a real thing. And I want it so badly I had to pick it. I also hate the team up north. And uh, if you don't know what team I'm talking about, I'll let Bugs say their name because I refuse to. So Tug and I are picking Michigan because they're the better football team. And. I, I'm simply amazed that you called Purdue coming out of the Big Ten West because that was such a magnificent shit show. I was really hoping for a uh, a Michigan-Illinois rematch. I know a little bit at your expense. Or an Iowa rematch from the Big Ten Championship last year. 
That's just that was not going to happen. Uh, I don't see a way that Purdue wins this one. They could. I mean, let's they, be real you, though. You for a second, play the game. Let's be real. Blake Corum's out. Blake Corum's out, and they didn't have a run game against Ohio State. And they, JJ they, McCarthy sucks ass. He mostly sucks ass, and other than like two big breakaway runs. They really didn't have a run game against Ohio State. It is possible to stop them from running the ball. They had an 85-yard run for a touchdown. Congrats. Your stats are inflated now. It doesn't mean you dominated the line of scrimmage. So maybe there are some weaknesses here that Purdue can't actually exploit. I don't think it's as crazy as it sounds on the surface. I think it is extremely unlikely. At the same time, it's Purdue. And if this were played at Ross Aid Stadium, I think we would all pick Purdue. <laughs> if not, you're Probably. insane. <laughs> I just, I, I will give you this. There is a lot to the J.J. McCarthy is a bum. He has not looked great in the past two games where they've needed help uh, to beat Illinois, frankly. And right. yeah, I don't know what's been going on with Ohio State in the second half of the game the past two years. Yeah. But it's just been... I'm sorry. And it's been a fucking pretty bad. Joke. Yep. It's been a joke. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get yep. it. I'm sorry. Let's I missed Monday. On. I don't want to. I don't want to reopen that wound. Uh, yeah. ACC title game: Clemson versus North Carolina. I'm gonna say it right uh, up front. Uh, North Carolina is not a football school. Clemson the is. Subway. The Subway ACC championship game. Our other named one. <laughs> nice. They sold I their soul Subway forever. <laughs> I want Subway now. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank, thank the ACC. That's who you should be thanking. I will. I might have to get a sub <laughs> on Saturday. Then. Or maybe you could watch Clemson against North Carolina. This will be at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, which actually is surprisingly, kind of neutral site for them. Su- surprisingly neutral, considering one of the teams is in North Carolina. Chapel so, Hill and uh, yeah. Clemson are pretty equal distance without looking at a map i feel like there it's it's relatively close yeah yeah uh i will say yeah like you were saying north carolina is not good clemson's not good either but at least they're not north carolina so <laughs> i mean I, I i will i will agree too we might just we all we're all picking clemson we might just be going with the name that we're more comfortable with here uh but i've We've all been burned by North Carolina players in the past. Right. I mean, me more than anybody. The only one that's really come out and done anything memorable is Julius Peppers. And fun fact, the Tar Heels don't have a guy like that right now. They have Drake May, who couldn't beat NC State last week. So Yeah. And the Clemson, the Tigers are having issues as well. DJ Uagalele is not the guy that they want him to be. And I don't know if he's your starter next year. I I really don't know. I, I appreciate Dabo riding with him this season. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know how you keep him next season. But what I will say is that defense still brings some physicality and toughness up front. UNC is not going to get punched in the mouth two games in a row. Tinfoil hat moment on DJ Uyungle, still starting quarterback. I actually believe this could be a legitimate recruiting tactic that Dabo Sweeney is trying to employ in order to get his brother, Mateo Uyunglele, to come to Clemson. Because right now, the Uyunglele family is not very happy with Clemson, and 
you know, if they stand by DJ that closely, maybe they get a star defensive end out of the deal because Mateo is fantastic. But also, you know, that's a little conspiracy. I don't think it's really going to happen. <laughs> fun, fun speculation. Absolutely. But that's it for the FBS. We have a whole second round of the FCS playoffs to get to. And oh boy, we are really setting ourselves up for disappointment here. <laughs> I am. Oof. If you I'm can see the slides, if you can see the slide, we all came to these conclusions independently. We did not come together and make these picks at the same time. Um, but all three of us picked all of the f- same four teams to win each of these four matchups. So let's get started. <laughs> uh, first up, New Hampshire at Holy Cross. Holy Cross coming off of a surprisingly dominant 11-0 regular season, getting themselves a bye in the playoffs. New Hampshire... As I've said multiple times already, a couple of weeks in a row, New Hampshire really surprised me with they were not good for the past several years. And just this season, they really came on strong and had a great showing against Fordham in the first round. But, man, I really do think Holy Cross is a buzzsaw. The Wildcats are not ready for it. I completely agree. We've talked about New Hampshire a little bit this year. They've been ranked at various points throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Holy Cross has been ranked all season, and it's never been anything but about what a juggernaut they are. Uh, they definitely deserve to have the ranking that they've gotten here. I think probably a little a lack of history uh, is the only reason they aren't number one, uh, and that's probably well. And their conference is. isn't necessarily the best. Yeah, I mean, that's true too. Tugs going with time. Holy Cross too, and I think it's probably a lot of that same familiarity with how much we've talked about them this year that's brought him to that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, and New Hampshire being what the fourth team out of the CAA to get in yeah. the playoff. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they're playing the CAA champion here. Uh, next up, we have Furman at Incarnate Word. Uh, again, Furman, one of those teams that has really been impressive this season. Kind of came out of nowhere. The Paladins have played extremely well. Uh, a lot of credit at the same time. Damn. Incarnate Word looks good. <laughs> yeah. UI Dub has caught my eye from the beginning of the season. Uh, I've said it before. I say it every time I talk about them, the way they dismantled SIU to start the season. If that didn't catch your eye as an FCS football fan, I don't know what will. Right. They haven't really slowed down, and they're getting to do this again at home. Oh, they got a lot of things going in favor of them. And oh, by the way, we talked about their quarterback on this show. Have you seen his numbers? I don't even know if when the NCAA game comes out, I'll be able to do that. So you gotta you gotta hand it over to uh, UI Dub right here. And you know what I say, Lindsey Scott for Heisman, but oh, that won't happen. Anyway. And Walter Payton, Walter Payton, you could get the Walter Payton. I think you could get the it. Maybe we'll see. Next up, Gardner Webb at William and Mary. I think again, same kind of scenario. Gardner Webb really impresses this season with an extremely difficult schedule. Three losses against FBS opponents, and all three of them relatively close as well. They were 6-5 and five coming into this thing, very misleading, with those very close losses to Liberty, to Marshall. I mean, it's like, it's not not bad teams to lose it to here. Mm-hmm. Um, yet again, though, William & Mary really feels like a buzzsaw here. Uh, CAA champions, 
the tribe have been very, very good. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> I will I will say this, which by the way, Tug agreed with us on a UI dub and he agrees with us on William and Mary here, in case anybody doesn't understand what we're talking about, that we took all the same teams for these four <laughs> games. Uh I had a hard time with this one and the next matchup as well. If you're an audio listener, you got to wait until we get there. So I'm going to draw it out a little bit longer. But it's kind of like what you said. The three losses for Gardner-Webb, yeah, they're against FBS opponents. I, I feel like that's got to drive them a little bit. But, man, William & Mary has looked incredible all season. So, I, right. Give them credit I, that I, they've I hung in those games and they have experience in tight games and tough contested contests at the same time. Contested contests. Wow, great, great use of words. Contested matchups. There you go. Yes. Saved you. Uh, (laughs) Really difficult opponents that they've gone against. It's impressive, and it is noteworthy, and it's deserving of respect. There's a reason they got in the playoff. At the same time, William Mary's good. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, William Mary might win one or two of those games that Gardner-Webb couldn't pull out. I don't know. I guess we'll find out this weekend. Uh, next up, we do have Delaware, another CAA team at South Dakota State. South Dakota State is your Missouri Valley Football Conference champions this season, going a perfect 10-0 in the FCS. Um, pretty, pretty solid. I think they're getting a whole lot of respect here for that one win at North Dakota State. Gotta say, I respect them a lot for that game too. Uh, but being the number one overall seed in this tournament, a lot of it based off that one game. Delaware has looked pretty solid throughout the season, a little bit up and down at times, but mostly solid, mostly mostly dominant, except for when they've faced the top tier of the CAA, which I think is we're gonna see that again. I'm picking the Jackrabbits simply because it feels like Again, another tier, right? William and Mary was able to dismantle this Delaware team. I think South Dakota State's at least on par, if not better than William and Mary. And that's ultimately where I'm ending up as well. Uh, Delaware is a fine team. They've been a great team in years past. I I struggled to take South Dakota State because I knew I was taking four home teams in a row. But they are on a completely different level. You know, we talked about the Missouri Valley Football Conference kind of being the SEC of the FBS or of the FCS for a couple of years. South Dakota State and North Dakota State are basically like Alabama and Georgia. They're always vying for that top spot. Right. And, the and rest everybody of the else hates them just the same way too. So. Exactly. And the rest <laughs> of the conference fights to try and be up as high as they can. And sometimes they are. Sometimes they're absolutely yeah. the best. Other times they get credit that they might not deserve, which is why I think South Dakota State got this number one seed uh, in the tournament here. All that to say, as much as I would love to go with Delaware here, I really can't. I completely agree with everything else that you said about South Dakota State in this one. So, yeah, we're taking all of the seeded teams in the FCS playoffs, at least for the first four matchups. Let's go ahead and jump to the next four here. Uh, this is <laughs> kind of wild. For the most part, we've almost taken all of the same teams again. Uh, we'll get there in a second. This first matchup, we're, we're all taking the upset. Uh, Weber State at Montana State. Montana State did win at least co-champion 
uh, the Big Sky Conference this year, going a perfect 10 and 0 at FCS competition. They do have one loss. I don't blame them for losing to top 25 Oregon State. You know, it's that's fine. Uh, right. <laughs> um, yeah, but Montana State has been pretty dang good at the FCS level. One of their big wins came against this Weber State team in the regular season. A game that we have talked about several times on this show. Yeah. Because the long snapper for Weber, Weber State uh, snapped the ball through the end zone four times, four times, resulting in eight points for Montana State. And they only lost by less than eight points. <laughs> so. Uh, we're all taking Weber State here, which feels wild to me. We're all taking the upset pick. Again, we didn't collaborate on these picks at all. We had, we don't do that, but we all took Weber State. <laughs> Weber State lost by five, meaning literally the long snapper only does it half the amount of times he did, and they still win that game. Right. So, yeah, come on. Weber State's the better team. I think that's fairly obvious to anybody that's watched a, a lick of you know, FCS football this year. But their long snapper absolutely fucked him in this last game against Montana State. I think the Bobcats wow. are the pick here. Tug agrees. This is the only – this next matchup is the only game where we don't all completely agree. I'm uh, excited Weber for this State, one. Weber State Wildcats over the Montana State Bobcats. Got it flipped. Yep. Uh, next up, Southeastern Louisiana won a wild game against Idaho last week. Very fun. Uh, they'll be facing up against the Southern champion, Samford. I'm taking Samford here for sure. Feels like the much better team. I do think, though, this is going to be a pretty tight game. And I like Southeastern Louisiana a lot. Uh, I think, again, it, kind of the same story with the other FCS teams, like the the unseeded teams that are coming into the ranked matchups. It's like really surprising the season they've been able to put together. You know, when Chad Kelly left SLU, I didn't expect them to be as good this year as they have been. Really doesn't feel like they've missed too much of a beat. Mm -hmm. And Samford on the other end, for their part, kind of the favorite throughout the whole year in their conference and have, have beaten some really good teams in the process. Also, how good is that conference? We don't really know just yet. So this could be a coin toss. I definitely understand uh, if anybody wanted to take SLU. I'm definitely taking the favorite, though, in Samford, and they are the home team. Well, Tug also took the favorite, but I did not. I took SLU. Or CLU, as I think they should be called, because SLU is St. Louis University in my head and forever. So, yeah, everything you just said, how much do we really know about Sanford? How much do we really know about right. the Southern Conference? Uh, what we do know is that SLU has some history. They've been doing a lot of amazing things in the past several seasons, having some great runs. So they've got a great culture built up there. And I think that's where you know, some of these intangibles start to come in here. I pretty positive too. My met, you know, I've been busy all week. They were on the road last week too, right? No, it was at, they were at home. Southeastern Louisiana. And that's actually part of my decision here is, uh, I really didn't think Idaho deserved a spot in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I agree. And then the fact that it came down to the Idaho's kicker slipping on a field goal last second to <laughs> for SLU to win it uh, kind of sketches me out a little bit. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of faith in either of these teams beyond this round. Right. I do think Sanford is the better team here. I'm gonna give it to the Lions here, man. I, there's something about the culture that I think is going to help them, and getting a scare like that from the Vandals, they're gonna remember that. I think they're gonna come out a much different team against the Bulldogs this week. Fair enough. And let's jump to the next playoff matchup: Montana at North Dakota State, Big Sky versus MVFC. Uh, <laughs> we all can't stand Montana being in this playoff in the first place. <laughs> Kind of bought their way into the playoff. Um, literally, hey, they should they the should playoff chairman. <laughs> they shouldn't have hosted SEMO. I yeah. I don't know if SEMO wins if they're if the game's played in Cape Girardeau, but what I do know is that SEMO was a better team and they just completely fell apart after a kickoff return. Their special yeah. teams yeah. were not special and it hurt them. It was very detrimental to them. Filled all the momentum they had going. Montana was able to get all 15 fans in attendance behind them after that and take over the game. The problem is they're not going to be able to do that against North Dakota State. We've talked about with a couple of these matchups, the locker room, the the culture there, and North Dakota State is going to get a lead like SEMO had, and then they're going to step on your fucking neck. They're not going to let you return a kickoff and let it – dismantle and derail everything that they've done up to that point. They're going to dominate start to finish. The Bison are winning this one. It's at the Fargo Dome. Are you kidding me? Come on. So I actually was tempted to take the Grizzlies for an interesting reason. North Dakota State, as they usually do, they do have an NFL prospect on this offense. Weirdly enough, it is their fullback. Uh, Hunter Lupke will not be playing. Apparently he has some knee issues trying to get a second opinion. Actually, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say he's not playing as far as I know right now, he is questionable technically. Uh, But I know he's not in Fargo right now. He's getting checked out by other doctors and there's some real concern. He will not play. He is the focal point of this offense. He gets like 200 yards rushing a game in this playoffs if he's a full full strength. That's just the way NDSU plays this year. With him gone, it limits some things they're able to do. I I do think NDSU overall is much more talented and they'll find a way to win. At the same time, there is some intrigue there and Montana has a chance to live on even in the playoffs they don't deserve to be in. <laughs> How disgusting is it going to be if they end up winning the national championship? I mean, if they do that, I guess they deserve to be here because they'll have had to have won four games to do it. So, <laughs> last matchup, last uh, game of the weekend. This one's actually going to be in primetime too, right? Not not exactly. We have Richmond at Sacramento State, 5 p.m. Uh, I don't know if that counts as primetime. But Richmond... Uh, one of those teams that we end up picking almost every week because they're always ranked, even if they're near the bottom of the CAA. Um, they finished like third or fourth in the conference, made it to the playoffs anyway because five teams from the conference made it. 
against Sacramento State, who's another one of those conference champions. They technically finished first in the Big Sky alongside Montana State. They didn't play each other in the regular season, and there are no conference title games in the SCS, at least for teams who go to the playoffs. Uh, so, Sacramento State is undefeated 11-0. and They got a bye week heading into this one. It's against a Richmond team who has looked vulnerable at some times, is very focused on pass first. Uh, I think Sacramento State's a more balanced team and more talented all around. I'm taking the Hornets here. What do you got? Yeah, Tug agrees with us here because I'm also taking Sacramento State. And we both said as well, they probably deserve to be the number one ranked team in this tournament and just aren't. So I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, it, it hurts picking against the spiders. I've loved going with Richmond as many times as I have this year already. Um, I will close on this. We've set ourselves up to be memed heavily in the FCS playoffs. Yeah. If it's going to happen, I think this is probably not the game that's going to happen in, but we we've got like seven games where we all agree. The FCS is probably where we're going to be the most vulnerable to that. Does, so we're picking 19 games total this week. And you're first of all, you're probably thinking, wait, we've just announced eight of our picks, 18 of our picks. Uh, well, we have one more in a second. But we, including this one, we've potentially named ourselves 12 times over. Uh, this is insane. <laughs> there are some clear favorites this week, put it that way. <laughs> But we couldn't leave off the SWAC championship game because the SWAC is awesome. And if for nothing else, you should watch the halftime shows because HBCUs have the greatest they bands. Do right, baby. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, <laughs> so the SWAC championship this year is a rematch of a regular season matchup we already saw that ESPN College Game Day went to Southern at Jackson State in Jackson, Mississippi. This is also 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, going right up against the SEC title game, going up. I mean, it's the American uh, Athletic Conference title. Yeah, that's wild to me. But it is on national TV, ESPN2. We're all picking Jackson State. Let's be real. Yeah, it's tough to beat a team twice. But if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be the team that primes coaching. Well, I it's also this game. it's easier to beat a team twice when the first time you beat them was like thirty-eight to nothing, which is what mm-hmm. I think the final score was. Uh, that's a pretty good shot of beating them twice. So <laughs> I don't know if they're actually going to cover. The spread is seventeen and a half. The only FCS game to get a spread this week. But interesting. Southern's you know. coming into this one seven and four. Yeah. By the way, as well. I mean, this is this is another very lopsided conference championship game. We're seeing a lot of these uh, going into this week, and yeah, it was thirty-five to nothing. So it's just you're off by three points, I think. Yeah. Uh, still, so this is another situation where divisions have really messed with the conference as far as you know creating the best possible title game experience. Florida A and M absolutely deserves to be playing for this conference title. Uh, rather than Southern. Mm-hmm. just There was some real talk of getting Florida A&M into the playoff instead, since they weren't going to be eligible for this championship game. They ended up as one of the first four out, which is tough, at 9-2. and two. Brutal. Just brutal. And they let in Montana. 
We're going to go on to our players to watch here. There it is. It loaded. Of course you picked a guy that's playing in the Big Ten Championship game for Purdue. Well, I here's my actual thinking on this. I didn't want to – all right. I, I set up a couple of rules for myself that I never shared with anybody until right now. So this is kind of fun because I get to break my own rule in a second, too. So this is the greatest time to bring this up ever. Uh, first of all, I didn't want to pick anybody who has any eligibility left, if I can help it. Guys who are definitely going to the draft. I don't want to highlight a prospect and then see them in college next year. That kind of defeats the purpose of this because I'm trying to find low round guys anyway. Right, late round picks, potentially UDFA kind of guys. So that's that's number one. I wanted to find some older players who don't have eligibility. I definitely found that here. Uh, and second, I wanted to take some guys in interesting matchups as far as you know who they're actually going against uh, and position position matchup wise. Uh, and then try to find the best stories. So I found a great combination of all three of those in Charlie Jones, wide receiver out of Purdue, number 15. Uh, I got to, if you don't know this guy's story, I got to I gotta fill you guys in. So out of high school, right, he is the best special teams player in Illinois out of high school. That doesn't get him too much respect as a wide receiver prospect, right? Uh, out of Deerfield, Illinois. <laughs> so then he goes to the University of Buffalo up there in the MAC, mostly as a return specialist, not even really being thought of as a wide receiver that much. Gets redshirted his first year. And then for Buffalo, he puts together actually a pretty decent year returning kickoffs. Didn't return punts, only returned some kickoffs, uh, and actually had 18 catches for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. Cool stuff. Great. Get you some looks at some bigger programs. He transfers into the Big Ten, ineligible his first year because the NCAA hadn't figured out how to do transfers just yet. So he sits a year at Iowa before coming on to the field for the Hawkeyes in 2020, the COVID season. Uh, well, here he's not returning kickoffs anymore for some reason. He is only serving as their punt returner, which, okay. Um, also, he's an honorable mention All-American punt returner because he's really good at it. <laughs> and in only a couple of games, he has 21 punt returns for 221 yards and a touchdown. All right, so let's get him a little bit more involved in the offense and in the special teams. Next year, 2021, he's returning both punts and kickoffs, finally. Almost gets 1,000 return yards on the season. Gets another return touchdown. Also sees the field at wide receiver. 21 catches, 323 yards, and three touchdowns yet again. Pretty decent. He also understands if he wants to get serious consideration for the draft, he needs to put in some work at receiver. You're not going to get drafted as only a kickoff specialist right? Get versatile, multiple different ways you can be utilized. You have a lot of better chance of getting drafted. He is now considered to be a top 100 prospect in this draft because of the work he's put in at Purdue. 
grad transfer to Purdue, his last season of eligibility, even with COVID year. He registered in 2017, man. He's been to college a long time. But uh, Purdue this year, he has team conference lead in catches and yards and touchdowns. Leads the team, leads the conference. He is currently in the top five in the NCAA in receiving yards. Currently number three in the NCAA with 97 catches. Currently tied for number three in all of college football with receiving touchdowns. 12 of them. At the same time, he's still returning kickoffs. 22 returns for almost 200 yards. This dude has been a revelation for Purdue. They really thought they were losing some things. Uh, a couple of wide receivers go and a couple of drafts here. Need another guy for Aiden O'Connell to throw the ball to. In comes Charlie Jones, a guy nobody really knew how good he was at receiver. And it turns out he's one of the best in the entire country. <laughs> really incredible. I love this for Charlie Jones. Look great in navy blue. <laughs> uh, you might be I'm able to sold. get him in like the third round. So that's I, even exactly, better. I'm sold. <laughs> Stay in his home state. That'd be fun. I'd love it. I'd love it. That'd be my guy. And we saw with Ohio State uh, some of the best receivers again in the country. Uh, Marvin Harrison was getting covered very tightly. Right by these team up north corners. If Charlie Jones can create some separation here, that's going to bode extremely well for him because it's a direct week after comparison against who are considered to be the best wide receivers in the country, best wide receiver room overall in the country in Ohio State. So if Charlie Jones can do some things that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and uh, Julian Fleming couldn't do, that's just going to speak even louder. Charlie Jones is going to keep moving up the boards. Absolutely. On the defensive side of the thing, this is where I'm breaking my own rule because I've already highlighted a Fresno State player in the past. I like taking guys from different schools every week. Uh, but this is on the different side of the ball. So Jalen Moreno Cropper, wide receiver, several weeks ago. Uh, I'm taking defensive end David Perales from Fresno State this week. Number 99 on that defensive line. Big man. 6'3". Uh, like, I think he's listed at 255. He probably plays a little bit more like 265, 270-ish at times. He plays bigger, but he also plays very fast. Uh, some teams saw that very much so this year, including a four-sack performance against San Jose State. Which is uh, insane because I only have one sack. Oh, I have a lot more sacks to show you from David Perales here. <laughs> he has so many. It's unreal. Uh, but once again, part of my process for picking prospects to watch out for, a lot of P's in that sentence. Uh, part of my my thought process is trying to find some of the best stories in all of college football. And I really think David Perales fits the bill here. Uh, if you're looking at this slide, you'll notice that's a really weird looking logo. 2017. What in the world could that possibly be? Junior college. That is a junior college. So he graduated from high school in his hometown of Merced, California, with actually pretty high academic honors. Uh, so why is he going to a JUCO? Because nobody recruited him to play football. 
He wasn't even considered to be a legitimate prospect in football. He also only played like two years in high school. Uh, so he comes out to JUCO in his hometown, Merced College, the Blue Devils, and just simply dominates for a season. They win the state championship in 2017, his only year which there. Is, which is how California JUCOs do it, because they don't want to be part of the NJCAA for whatever fucking reason. They're assholes. It's, it's very fucked up. It's the uh, California Community College Athletic Association. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Go watch if you don't watch Last Chance U or you don't watch Last Chance U basketball. The last two seasons and the only basketball seasons take place at JUCOs in California. It's a stark contrast to the first two seasons uh, of Last Chance U. Just how you it's it's ridiculous, really. Anyway, sorry. His JUCO season. 64 tackles, dude. As a defensive end, uh, 17 of those tackles are for loss. Forced three fumbles. I believe he recovered three fumbles as well. And had 14 sacks. Um, Really crazy, because I believe the rest of the defense combined has 10. That's right. That's a math joke for you. Think about it. Next year... (laughs) He actually gets some offers. Turns out he goes a little bit north, Sacramento State. That is fantastic. He's finally playing D1 football. Unbelievable, because consider he's only played football like three years at this point. He is on the all-academic team for the CCCAA. (laughs) Like, he's doing well in school. It's just he has finally decided he wants to play football now and is really good at it. Uh, so finally getting to a D1 program, Sacramento State. He starts all 10 games, his technically his freshman year uh, at a D1 program, and made at least one tackle in every single game, which is very impressive. Uh, seven and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and another forced fumble. Now, he's doing it again. He's very good at a D1 level. Let's get him into a higher-level program. So he transfers once again. This time, because it's D1 to D1, he has to sit out a year. But he goes he goes south. <laughs> Legitimately, if you look on a map, here's Merced, California, his hometown. North of it, about an hour drive, Sacramento State. South of it, about an hour drive, Fresno State. Kind of He's cool. going to really hate being so far away when he's playing for Chicago next year. <laughs> so 2020 is, of course, the COVID season, uh, but it's his first year eligible with the Bulldogs here. They, they do very well <laughs> that COVID year, uh, and he does very well both academically and on the field. All conference academically. And number six in the conference in TFLs in just his first season with the Bulldogs. Uh, Second team, all Mountain West on the field as a defensive end. Led the Mountain West in four fumbles with four, uh, eight and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Unreal. Next season, 2021, he's a team captain now. 45 tackles. Again, he's doing it. He's, He's achieving it at the highest level of college football. 13 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, 
three forced fumbles yet again. Just a one-man wrecking crew on the defensive line. This season so far has already matched that 45 tackles, 30 solo tackles, 15 tackles for loss, and 10 and a half sacks, including four sacks against San Jose State, like I already mentioned. And he is in the top five in the entire NCAA in sacks this season. Two forced fumbles, yet again, just stripping the ball out. He also, for the first time in his career, has an interception, which is always fun as a defensive end. <laughs> it is. Can't confirm. I mean, another very long-tenured collegiate here in David Perales' uh, storied career. Actually has made his way into the top 10 all-time in Fresno State history in tackles for loss and sacks and has a couple of games to go with conference championship on the line and a bowl game. I don't understand why nobody's talking about David Perales. I've never seen his name come up anywhere other than this podcast. And I really think he should be getting some recognition because he has played phenomenally at three different schools, three different levels of football and still has some fresh legs about him. Hasn't played football his entire life. So I just highlighted two guys that would be amazing for the Chicago bears right now. (laughs) Well, I hope that works out for you. I do too. I really do. But well, that, that's, that's all I got, which is a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another two hour show for you. I know everybody loves you, those. Yeah, because we got like so, we had 19 fucking football games in college and two players that played 75 years in college. It's just. Well, you know what? College football is awesome. And so we need to talk about it. That's. And I'm the producer of the show, and so I put in a lot of college football stuff. That's, that's what this comes down to. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. For our audio listeners, though, to wrap things up for you a little bit here, if you're watching, you can kind of tune this part out. If you want to support the show, though, head on over to patreon.com backslash Football, or you could subscribe to our channel on twitch.tv backslash Football. Find us on Twitter at Football. Facebook.com backslash BDT football. Go to Instagram. It's a little bit different. Instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football. Make sure to get that thing in there. Uh, we have a website. It's uh, pretty bare bones. If you go check it out, uh, let us know what you think and think of ways to make it better. Uh, that's BDTfootball.com if you want to give us that feedback or get any questions in on the show that you want us to talk about. Send an email to mailbox at bdtfootball.com. And last but not least, we finally got our own YouTube link, youtube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches. Uh, it was twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches. Those are both all one word, nothing crazy going on there. You're going to have to go down into the description of this podcast to find our Discord link because I'm not reading that off. It'll confuse you, me, and everybody else listening. Uh, it's been. It's been going. It's been going across the bottom, too. So just watch on Twitch. We're pushing it hard. Do it. Listen to us. And yes, wow, what a great podcast. <laughs> hey, Doug, I got a question for you. Yes, answer. What's the, what's the Grinch's favorite band? Ooh. Um, 
do you want like a is this a i'm assuming this is a joke but i'm also thinking like what would a real answer be he's probably an emo kid probably at a mcr <laughs> potentially but i was told that it's the who see that's a way worse answer <laughs> if you can just picture the grinch listening to black parade <laughs> i can i think you that fits too well <laughs> all right we doing tux thing fuck that i'm out of here <laughs> all right Peace out, Girl Scout. Y'all have a good one. We will see you.